service uh, and especially the folks in the balcony please fill out the attendance register so we'll have a, a record of everyone's attendance this morning we come together so that we can worship the Lord together let's begin our time together in prayer our father thank you for all of the many blessings that you give to us each day Father, we are so thankful for the congregation that meets here. And we pray that you will continue to bless us. Father, as we enter into this time of worship, help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we pray that our worship to you today will be acceptable. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
as we're here this morning, we are here so humbly and so thankful. Father, we pray for all those around the world dealing with unthinkable hardship. Father, at the same time, we're so thankful for the gospel. We're so thankful for what it does for all. We're so thankful that it teaches us to behave properly and make the correct choices and live properly. And it teaches us about family and how society should be. And most of all, Father, it teaches us that our Savior died for each and every one of us, that he did for us that we cannot do for ourselves. Father, as we go on with this service, may everything we do be pleasing in thy eye, and may our lives be lived in a way that you would see fit. May we stay in the word, may we make the correct choices, and may we never forget what we have and everything that has ever been made is by thee. And for this we're so thankful, and we're so thankful for your son and all that he did and all that he does yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're using your hymnal and you'd like to, you can mark number 915, Trust and Obey. That'll be the song of invitation after uh, Brother Doug's lesson. The song before his lesson will be Higher Ground, number assembly and be able to welcome each one of you to our services here at Boonville. We are indeed honored that you have chosen to be here with us today, especially uh, if you are our guest. And it's our goal, it's our desire to make you feel warm and welcome. And if you are visiting with us today, we want you to come back and be with us anytime you have an opportunity. We also want to Welcome those who may be watching online today as well. We appreciate that. Of 
course, we want to remember Brother Ken in our prayers. Ken does a fantastic job here at Boonville, and I appreciate he and Anita so very much. And he's under the weather today, and we want to wish him the very, very best as he recovers from the flu. And hopefully he'll be back 100% this week at some point. But uh, let's continue to think about him and others who are sick and who are discouraged and need our encouragement. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27 that whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Jesus said here, I want your heart. The inside is what counts, and the Lord certainly looks on the heart. You know, we look at our country today, and our hearts are certainly breaking as we see the immorality that seems to be growing and growing. We think about the media, we think about movies and television and the news and all the things going on round about us, and it's almost like someone broke a, a big sewer pipe and filth has been spewed all over God bless America. We see the condoning, for example, of same-sex marriage on a wide scale, even in our television programs today and in Hollywood. It seems like divorce today is almost as common as the common cold. Many people are even unable to define terms such as what a man is or what a woman is. It just seems like that sexual immorality in general is in epidemic proportions throughout our country. The answers, though, are still the same. We need to get back to the Word of God. How does the devil work today? Well, the devil works just like he always has. Let me show you. Number one, the devil's work is to, first of all, to deny God, to make people that think that, you know, belief in God is only superstition. It's not real. It's not founded, in fact. Secondly, though, you debase man. What you do is you try to convince people that they were not created by an almighty God, but they came about through the accident of evolution. The devil wants man to believe that, you know, he wasn't created, but he came about as a result of chance. And sometimes I'm afraid that we as parents take this evolution business far too lightly because, you see, evolution will affect our morals. After all, if we're only animals, if we're only the accident of nature round about us, if we came from non-life, then we do not have a standard of morality. And that leads us to the third idea, and that is the devil wants to destroy morals. And then you get to the homes, and the devil knows that if he ever gets us in our homes, he will have won. But we do have a standard of morality. There is a difference between right and wrong. And the reason that's true is because you and I came from the Almighty God. We were created by God, and you and I are responsible to Almighty God. Today I want us to talk about morality from Proverbs chapter 5. You know, when we talk about sexual purity and moral purity, we're not talking about niceties. We're not talking about you know, how to be polite in some settings. We're not talking about political correctness, but we're talking about a question today that's tearing at the very fiber of our nation. This is something today that is of the utmost importance. And we need to talk about what God says today with reference to morality. And that's what I want us to do in our lesson today. And Daddies and moms and sons and daughters, I, I hope you'll underline in your Bibles today, maybe take some notes as we go through what I believe are five faithful factors of morality from Proverbs chapter 5. These are five factors that will help us to build moral purity in our own individual lives 
and make our homes what they need to be. Let's start with verse 1 of Proverbs chapter 5. My son, attend unto my wisdom. Bow your ear unto my understanding that you may regard discretion and that your lips may keep knowledge. In other words, son, you need to pay close attention to what I'm about to tell you. You need to give ear about what I am going to tell you because it's going to make a difference in your life and in your eternal destiny. Number one, we need to remember the instruction factor and learn godly wisdom. Now, sometimes people will say, what you don't know won't hurt you. But may I say to that that that's foolish, that's stupid? Sometimes what you don't know may kill you. Now, where are we going to go today for knowledge? Where are we going to go for instruction in our world today with reference to morality? There's a lot of people out there giving advice about morality, and so maybe we'll go to one of our state universities and and we'll find some professor there, and he'll talk about morality, won't he? And he'll teach humanistic hogwash in the halls of higher learning. He'll tell people that belief in God is really crazy and that God's word being the standard of our lives is really an illogical thing. Or maybe we'll go to Planned Parenthood, which is the largest provider of abortions today, and they're preaching a lot about morality. You know, they're butchers is what they are. Or maybe we'll go to the pop culture theologians of our day and see what they have to say about morality. You know, the Oprahs and the Dr. Fields and the Ellen Degenerates. And, you know, if we follow those ideas about morality, it's going to end up in death and destruction. But you see, life is found in God's word. Truth is found right here. This is the instruction factor. And God has given us an instruction manual, and we have to follow this if we want to live happy and meaningful lives. Number two, though, let's look beginning in verse 3, and let's talk about the deception factor. If you look at verse 3, the Bible says, For the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb. Her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell, lest you should ponder the path of life. Her ways are movable, and you cannot know them. Now here, we're talking about deception. In John 8, verse 44, the Bible says the devil is a liar. And when he speaks of a lie, he speaks his own because he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, folks, the devil is far too smart to ever go fishing without bait. And here the Bible talks about the immorality. He talks about the, the impurity, about the bait, the deception. I think one man recently said who was living in adultery, he said, how could something so wonderful be wrong? Now look at this with me, please. There is the frivolity of her. Look at honey lips here in verse 3. The Bible says, for the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb. Oh, it's so sweet. It, it's so wonderful to be with her. I love to be with her. And then there's the flattery in the latter part of verse 3. Her mouth is smoother than oil. She speaks in flattering words as she speaks to this man. Oh, you're so strong. You're so smart. You're such a, a great man. Old honey lips here. And what she does is she flatters him. And some men are very susceptible to flattery. Now, how are we going to resist the flattery that's described here 
in the Bible. How can one resist that? Well, the answer is you load up on the Word of God. You fill your heart. You fill your mind with God's Word. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. You see, that's how we're able to resist this temptation and go against these flattering words. Don't be manipulated by them. Proverbs 6 and verse 32 says, Whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He that doeth it destroys his own soul. There is the deception factor. And it involves frivolity and flattery and ultimately it's fatal. Look at verse 5. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. You see, that which starts out as honey lips and sweet flattery always ends up in death. And adultery will destroy and kill your youth. It will destroy your happiness. It will destroy your family. It will destroy your contentment. And ultimately... It will take your soul to hell. Sin will fascinate, and then it will assassinate. Sin will thrill, and then it will kill. Number one is the instruction factor. Number two is the deception factor. But number three is the protection factor. How are you going to protect yourself against this kind of temptation? How are you going to protect yourself into falling to this kind of temptation? Well, look at verse 7. The writer says, Hear me now, therefore, O you children. Depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her and don't come near the door of her house. Now, some men, perhaps even in this assembly, might say, well, you know, I don't have to worry about this kind of thing. I don't need to be concerned about that. Well, someone once said one time that unguarded strength is a double weakness. Now, the Bible teaches here in this passage that the way to protect oneself against the temptations of this woman is not to stand around and fight this temptation, but you flee from this temptation. You run from it. You stay away from her. You stay away from her door. And that's something that's not just taught in the Old Testament, but it's also taught in the New Testament as well. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 22, flee youthful lusts. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18 says, flee, you run from fornication or sexual immorality. In other words, this is not the kind of temptation that you fight. This is a temptation from which you flee. You leave that place. You don't go close to that woman. You get out of there. We read in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 that there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able but will with that temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And sometimes the best escape is two legs, the king's highway, and some hard running. And that's true in reference to this temptation. You remember Potiphar's wife, don't you, back in the book of Genesis? You know, Potiphar's wife is a very beautiful, a very attractive woman. And Potiphar's wife comes to Joseph, and, and man, she is an immoral and evil woman. If Joseph follows her, they're both going to be condemned. If Joseph follows her, they're both going to face a miserable life. If he follows her, they both will meet certain destruction. But Joseph has great faith in God. And whenever Potiphar's wife propositions him... He says no. 
How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? The answer is no. And every day when he would come into Potiphar's house to do his work, she would approach him. And one day, the situation is perfect. It couldn't be better. And one day, she grabs for him. And what does Joseph do? He does what the Bible says. He leaves her. He leaves his coat in her hands. He doesn't stand around to argue about the point at all. He gets out of there. That's what the Bible says. It says, flee from sexual immorality. Now, there's some preachers and counselors and others who've not yet learned this lesson and Sometimes it's a grievous thing because immorality occurs. You know, I think about what some modern-day preachers and counselors might have said in that situation. They might have said, now, listen, Miss Potiphar, you and I need to not be talking like this. You shouldn't say things like this. Let's you and I get down on our knees and let's pray to God about this matter. It may sound good, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says Joseph got himself out. He fled. He ran. And we need to remember that this is not the kind of temptation that you fight. It's a temptation from which you run. Now, what does the Bible say here? Look at it again, verse 7. Hear me now, therefore, O you children. Depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her. And don't come near the door of her house. You stay away. You stay away from immoral literature. You stay away from books and magazines that are immoral. Today, internet pornography is an epidemic throughout our country today. And we don't think, I don't think we understand that it's an epidemic even in the church today. It's a problem that, that we in the church are really not properly addressing. According to statistics that have been done, the church of the size of the Boonville Church, statistically, there are probably on average between 30 and 40 men that have at least some kind of problem with Internet pornography. But you see, we need to work to keep our minds pure. Because adultery doesn't start in the bedroom. It starts in an innocent-seeming conversation and little things that slip up that we shouldn't say, that we shouldn't think, that we shouldn't be a part of. The Bible says, don't go near her house. Now, we've seen the instruction factor. We've Notice the deception factor. We've looked at the protection factor. Number four, though, let's look at the destruction factor. Verse 9 says, Lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with your wealth and your labors be in the house of a stranger. When you mourn at the last, when your flesh and your body are consumed and say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. Innocent enough, you say? That's the lie of the devil. The devil tells you that you can have immorality with absolutely no strings attached. That's the lie of the devil that's being believed by people every day in this country. Every single day in Prentice County, Mississippi, somebody is believing the lie that I can participate in immorality in adultery, in fornication, with absolutely no strings attached. That's a lie. 
Verses 9 and 10 here talk about dissipation. Watch what happens here. It says, you're going to give your honor to others, your years to the cruel. Strangers will be filled with your wealth, and your labor will be in somebody else's house. How many times have you heard that story before? How many times have you heard that very thing? How many families right now can you count in your own mind who've experienced this very thing? I heard of a man not long ago who was a a man of some means. He had a fine position, a great job at a company. He had a fine family. He had a home with children, professed to be a Christian, but there was a female co-worker And the threads of flirtation were slowly woven into a cord, and those cords woven into a chain, and before long, that chain wrapped around that man so tight that it destroyed him. And now he's lost it all. Now the home is no more. Now his wealth belongs to somebody else. You know, lawyers make a lot of money, and that's certainly not a criticism of lawyers, but Just simply an observation that where money that could have gone to the care of a family now has to go to lawyers because, you see, we've got to get a divorce. Immorality has now elbowed its way into our home, and now this man of whom I'm talking about today has children who call another man daddy. What happened? This man lost his wealth. He lost his family. He lost his job. He lost his position. There is destruction in immorality. Verse 10 says, Let strangers be filled with your wealth and your labors be in the house of a stranger. But that's not all. This destruction also includes disease. If you look at verse 11, And you mourn at the last when your flesh and your body are consumed. You know, we live in America right now where there is an AIDS epidemic. There's almost 38 million cases worldwide. And sometimes people will ask me, you know, is AIDS a punishment of God for sin? No, because there are some who have AIDS today, some who are babies who have not sinned. And so it's not the punishment of God for sin but it is the consequence of sin. And even when innocent babies have it, that is the consequence of somebody else's sin. Did you realize there's one million new cases of varying transmitted sexual diseases every single day? You know, I wish I could go to CBS and NBC and ABC and CNN and all those other letters. And, you know, I wish I could tell, ask the people in, in the laboratories and those in the White House and the social engineers who have so many ideas about, you know, what we ought to do about this problem we have with AIDS and, and then say to them, I've got the answer. You hear me? I've got the answer. We could stop this AIDS epidemic. We could stop the pandemic of sexually transmitted diseases in their tracks right now. You know how? We just simply need to get back to the book. One man for one woman for life. Sexual monogamy will bring these things to a screeching halt. And then as we think about the destruction factor of sexual immorality. Let's talk about the disappointment. If you look at verse 12 and say, how have I hated instruction? My heart despised reproof and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. And so I say today, you know, why didn't I listen? There's a chance and I certainly hope it doesn't happen to anybody in this assembly, but there's a chance that there's someone here now that may remember this lesson or perhaps one like it who's going to say, you know, why didn't I listen? 
Why didn't I pay to pay instruction, pay attention to that instruction from God? But I didn't. And now my life is in shambles. And look at my family. I've lost my position. I've lost who I was. I've wasted it all and in bitter tears. We cry because of the disappointment. And then as we think about the destruction factor, there is disgrace as well. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. Let me tell you a very good way to resist the temptation, especially regarding the one that we're talking about today. You know, we ought to put this to the test of publicity. Suppose people knew about this. Suppose this is widely known. You know, I may think in my heart that that I can keep a secret secret, that this will never be known, this will never get out. Nobody's ever going to know or find out. This is a private matter. It will always remain that way. But I know of a lot of people who once thought that their adultery, their fornication, would remain a private matter but now it's very public. One newspaper wrote this. They wrote, if you don't want to read about it in the newspaper, don't let it happen. There's disgrace involved here. But not only disgrace, I submit to you there is dominion. Drop down to verse 22. His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself And he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. You know, there's some things, there's some sins in life that hold on tight to people. If we were to discuss today sins that have an imprisoning characteristic, what would you think about? Well, you'd immediately think about somebody who's an alcoholic, wouldn't you? Or you think about somebody who is addicted to drugs and it seems like almost every day I come into contact with somebody whose bodies have been ravaged by drugs. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their teeth. You can see it in their behavior. Their families have been destroyed. Their Futures have been wiped out because of their addiction to drugs. And you pity them because they've been held by the cords of those sins. But folks, I submit to you today that this verse, while maybe applicable to those kinds of things, this verse is found in the context of fornication and adultery. And I've known some men and women who would pray and they would repent in bitter tears, forgive me, God, forgive me for what I've done. They would weep over what they'd done with reference to immorality. But little time passes and they go right back to it again. And we're shocked by that, aren't we? We say to ourselves, how can this be? How can it be that a woman begs her husband to forgive her for her adultery and then she goes right back to this man again? How can that be? Well, this verse says that we can sin to the point where sin has wrapped its chain around us and we are held by the cords of those sins. You see, there is a moment in sin when you have the freedom to choose not to sin. You have the freedom to make a choice not to sin. But a person can continue in a sin long enough that eventually he forfeits the ability to choose not to sin. Isn't that true? You heard of a man who started gambling and In the beginning, he could take it or leave it. You know, when I walk into one of our gas stations here in Mississippi and there is the opportunity to buy lottery tickets and there on the sign it says, gamble responsibly. Isn't that stupid? That's like saying jump off a cliff but don't fall. 
You know, it's just not going to happen. And, and in the beginning, <clears throat> here's a person that can take it or leave it, and he does it for so long, he eventually forfeits the ability to choose not to sin. Verse 22 says, His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden by the cords of his sins. And then there's death, as we consider the destruction factor. Verse 23 says, He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly shall he go astray. Now, if you believe that you can live in immorality and one day walk in heaven, I want to tell you that you're dead wrong. It simply will not happen. You cannot go to heaven and live in adultery. You cannot go to heaven and live in fornication and immorality. And you may disagree with me about this. And sometimes people will come to me and I'll show them from the Bible that this is adultery. And you just can't go to heaven and continue living in adultery. And they'll argue the point and they'll say, I believe I can. I have peace in my mind. You know, if you disagree with me, don't bring that disagreement to me. Bring it to God and tell him that he's wrong about this because God says you cannot go to heaven while continuing to live in adultery and fornication. In 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9, he says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And included in that list are those who are guilty of adultery, those who are fornicators, those who are guilty of homosexuality, among many other things. And those who do such things cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Now, can a man or a woman who's lived in immorality and adultery obtain forgiveness and go to heaven? Yes, they can. Just like a person would turn away from any other sin. But can one hold on to their immorality and hold on to God at the same time and go to heaven? The answer is no. One more very brief point in the lesson's yours. I want us to focus on the intention factor. What I mean by this is God's intention for our relationships, for our homes, our families, for sexual purity... Proverbs 5 and verse 18 says, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. God wants for you, his desire for you is a lasting marriage. God says, keep the wife of your youth. He's teaching one man for one woman till death do us part. God wants a loving marriage for you. That is his intention. And we need to understand today that God is not trying to keep people from sex. He's trying to keep sex for the people. And when God says, you shall not do this, God's not being mean. God is simply saying, don't hurt yourself. And whenever God says, you shall do this, God's not being mean. God's just simply saying, here's how you can help yourself to happiness. What's God's intention for our homes? God wants us to have a loving marriage. Young people, save yourself for marriage. Because you see, if you eat your cake today, you're not going to have anything but a crummy tomorrow. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 27. You have heard that it was said of them of old time, you shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you, whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Let's strive every day to be what God wants us to be. Let's give our hearts to God because therein lies contentment, therein lies happiness, therein lies the only hope that we have for eternity. Give yourself to God. 
Make sure that your heart is right with God, that you're walking with him and you're striving to be more Christ-like every day that you live. It may be this morning as we sing this song of encouragement that, that you're not walking with God. Maybe it's because you've never become his child to begin with. And that all can change today if you're simply willing to trust in Jesus and believe with all your heart that he is the Son of God. And in that faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, change your life in repentance. Make that confession that Jesus is the Son of God. And today you can be immersed in water. That act of baptism is for the forgiveness of all your past sins, Acts 2 and verse 38. You can leave here today forgiven of every sin you've ever committed. You can leave here today a child of God. Or if there are things that you need to make right as a child of God, we encourage you to think about your life as well. If you need to respond to heaven's invitation, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our
communion package, just raise your hand and the ushers will be glad to bring you one by. Matthew 26, 26 through 29, Jesus was with his apostles and he instituted the Lord's Supper. He said he took bread and actually blessed it. They partook of the bread and after that he blessed the fruit of the vine and he said this is the blood of the New Testament we shed for many. And then he told them he wouldn't take up it again until he'd do it in the kingdom and Acts second chapter, the kingdom came, and as you study through the book of Acts, you find a New Testament church partaking of the Lord's Supper each first day of the week. Let us bow as we give thanks for the loaf. Our Father in heaven, we give our thanks for this bread which does represent the body of Christ. We pray, Father, that we'll take of this in a way that it will be pleasing unto thee. In Christ's name, amen. Let us also thanks for the cup. Our Father in heaven, we thank thee for this cup, which does represent the blood that Christ shed there on that cross. We pray also, Father, that we partake of this way that be acceptable unto thee. In Christ's name, amen. After complete the Lord's Supper, we also have a teaching and a commandment, you know, to give upon the first day of the week. Uh, we see a lot's given in Acts 4 chapter. And 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, it says to lay by and store upon the first day of the week. And you see on the monitor different ways we can do that. Let's give thanks for the blessings of life. Our Father in heaven, we give our thanks for all the material blessing that has overflowed our life with. We pray, Father, at this time we'll give free heartedly back to Thee that we can take this and help spread Thy word throughout the community and the whole world and help those who are in need. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> Good morning. It's been a good day, hasn't it? Yeah. I um, want to thank um, everyone who helped with our worship service. Doug, thank you for that lesson. Wonderful job. Thank you for giving that to us. Got several announcements. Uh, Jude and I do. And so uh, just hang tight just a minute. 296 here this morning is a good number. Um, I like to round numbers up sometimes, so I'm going to say we had about 300 here today. But if we get a few more, we'll hit that number. Stephen handed me uh, this message. Any boy who wants to work on speech presentation this afternoon needs to talk to Stephen immediately after we're dismissed this morning. And he's sitting right here. Sympathy is extended to Carolyn and Jerry Ligon, whose sister-in-law, Billy Ruth Kay, passed away Friday night. The funeral arrangements are incomplete. Please keep them in your prayers. Also have a note from the Perigo family to the Boonville Church of Christ family. Thanks so much to all the members of the church who have been so kind and have shown so much compassion for our family during this time of great sorrow. A very special thanks for the beautiful flowers and all the wonderful food. With much gratitude and love, the Perigo family. 
The Golden Circle will be going to the Dinner Bell in Corinth for lunch tomorrow. The bus will leave at 11 a.m. Also, please note that if you need to partake of the Lord's Supper on Sunday evening, you will have the opportunity to do so in the Little Chapel right after the opening assembly and before the beginning of our Bible classes tonight. Now, if you have your bulletin, if you want to open those and look, we have several announcements uh, we need to need to make there, call your attention to. Uh, remember that prayer list, uh, those in prayer, Trent Allen uh, and Sandy Bonham, uh, Trent's at Sanctuary Hospice House, Sandy at Home on Hospice, Angie West, Jerry Livingston, Vicki White, Philip Coates, Savannah Martin. Keep all those in your prayers and many others that we need to remember. Uh, last, the leaders.